before Jesus was ever born, talking about the birth of this king, first realized in David and now realized in Jesus. And they say, from you, O Bethlehem, out of you will come a ruler. What are the three rules of real estate? Say them with me, because you all know this. Ready? That's it. Location, location, location. You want to get the cheapest, the worst, cheapest house in the nicest neighborhood because you're always going to win and it's all about location, 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 except when it comes to Jesus. Think about this. Think about, think about the story here of Bethlehem. The story shows us it's not about where you are. It's about whose you are. You see, some of us in life, we think, oh, if I just get to this position, if I just get to this salary, if I just get to this house, if I just get this, if I just get that, if I just do this, if I just do that, then we'll really, really be happy or whatever. Listen, the story shows us you can be the most insignificant person in the most insignificant location. God has your address. He knows who you are and he knows who you're not. And you know what? The beautiful thing about this story is is that God almost intentionally allows it to happen in a humble, simple place I think to show us that it really doesn't matter how flashy and awesome the location is, what makes things great in our life is when we realize when God is with us in those places. That's what makes a location a location. God does the most extraordinary things in the most ordinary places. You're in the right place, and God does them with the most ordinary people, people like shepherds. We have the shepherd's invitation They hear all of the things that the angel's gonna do and then they say, hey, let's go see this thing. Let's go see this thing that's going on in Bethlehem. Let's check it out. You know what's amazing to me is this, the king of the world of that day, Herod, gets no invitation to this event, but heaven sends an emissary, an angel, and informs these shepherds. Today, is, the savior is born in the city of Bethlehem, and you'll see the child wrapped in swaddling cloth, and they, they all go there, and they see it the way that it was. They had, no, they, they had no one coming up to them reading prophecies. An angel comes and tells them about that. It's amazing. It's almost like God sends a representative to the labor union of shepherds, and they receive him face to face. See, because God calls ordinary people like you and ordinary like people like me and ordinary people like these shepherds to experience and to do extraordinary things for God. God is not looking for an incredible person. He's just looking for a willing person that will do it. You might be here this morning and you might feel like I'm just from Bethlehem. I'm just a shepherd. I'm just an ordinary person from an ordinary place. You know what? The ordinary is not what matters. What matters is is that you serve an extraordinary God who sent his son into this world for your life to make a difference. And he sends an invitation And this is the truth. It's not who you are, it's whose you are. Listen, it's not who you are, it's whose you are. I'll never forget a time in my life when my wife and I were in the right on a situation and it was like somebody poured kerosene on my reputation and lit a match to it. And a good friend of ours came up to us and said, Paul, your reputation doesn't belong to you or your wife belongs to God. It's not who I am, it's whose I am. Are you his? Do you belong to him? He wants you to belong to him, and he wants to belong to you. Not only that, but we have, with the shepherd's invitation, we have the wise men's observation. Look at what they say. They say, we saw the star, we saw his star, and have come from afar to worship him. 
And listen, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago and talked about the fact that these guys were more like a combination of astronomers and a whole bunch of other stuff. But here's the amazing thing. They were not Jewish and they were not Christian. They were observant wise men and they were willing to take a journey that cost them something and they believed that Jesus was worth that journey and that cost. And the wise men teach us this, that a true wise person takes note of what heaven is doing. That they're willing to pay respect in heaven's direction and that they're willing to see Jesus and they're willing to take a journey to do it, they're willing to pay a cost for it, and they're willing to be inconvenienced as a result of it. You see, we have grown up in a culture that is so convenient that if it's too cold or it's too hot or the conditions aren't right or the stars aren't lined up, we're like, ah. How about those power outages where cable's down and you can't pop popcorn? It's like total crisis. Not these guys. They said, we're gonna take a journey, we're gonna, we're gonna travel, it's gonna take some time, but this will be worth it. You see, this is something that amazes me that sometimes even people who are followers of Christ don't get. It's a, couple of, it's a, it's a group of men who were not even followers that understood that there are some things worth journeying for. There are some things worth investing in. There are some things that are worth it because you'll never see Jesus realized in your life if you're not willing to take the journey and pay the price to see him. He's worth it. These men show us that. And most of all, the saying that's become famous with these wise men and these three wise ones and this wise woman, the wisest of them all, by the way, we had to put a lady up there. It takes two men to equal one wise woman, by the way. We acknowledge that. This is why it's like this here. But we see this because we know that wise men and wise women still seek him. They still seek him. And we seek him here in this church. And we invite you to join us to do that. Last but not least, we have Herod's indignation. He makes the command and says, kill all the boys in Bethlehem. No angel invites Herod to the event, and rightly so, because the man was pure evil. Let me tell you what, evil is very prevalent in this world, and it's touched the lives of many people in this church that have been on the receiving end of just pure, tragic evil. But I want you to know something. Bible says this, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. When God went to change the world and impact and make a difference from tyrants like Herod, he did not send a special force unit, he sent a baby. And he sent a child who would tell the world this, love your enemies. Of all the religions in the world, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, we could go on and on and on. They might have things that sound similar, but the only thing that is exclusive to Jesus and Jesus only is this, is not love your neighbor, love your life, love your wife, love your enemies. That takes supernatural love, and that's what that child did. He was born into this world to show us. And see, hell, just like Herod, wants to destroy everything beautiful and good, not only in your life, but in the life of your children. And it's worth it to lead the way. What's amazing is, is that our verse that we started with here, Matthew 121 says this, let me read it one more time for you. She, meaning Mary, will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. That name Jesus is in the New Testament in this story in Matthew 
is being written in Greek, but it's actually a familiar name to us when you say it from its Hebrew base, which is called Joshua, or the way that you actually pronounce it is Yeshua. And you know what's amazing about that name is this. It doesn't mean, it means this, God is, Yahweh is salvation. It doesn't mean God brings salvation. It doesn't mean God has salvation. It doesn't mean that God makes salvation. It means he is salvation. Many of you in this room here understand this, and some of you, I think God wants you to understand this. Salvation, help, hope, is not found in a bailout from heaven. It's found in the presence of the creator of the universe in your life. Jesus is salvation. Salvation comes from Jesus being central to every part of our life. That's when he comes in, he takes full control and full reign. He is salvation and he wants to be your salvation. And he wants to provide it for us. What's amazing about this passage and the story about the shepherds and everything that we see up here, it's actually reflective of the prophet Isaiah. A thousand years before Jesus was ever spoken about, a thousand years before any of these things happened, (coughs) Isaiah wrote this in chapter nine, verses six and seven. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end and the throne of David over his kingdom. A little bit back when Isaiah begins to talk about this event from heaven that would take place. In chapter nine, verse two, it reads like this. People that walked in darkness have seen a great light And they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Let me tell you what the shadow of death is. What's amazing is is that between Jerusalem, where Isaiah was thousand years before Christ's birth, and Bethlehem, where the events taking place here happen, literally over into the east side is a whole sloping section of mountains. You could put your left foot on grass and your right foot on dust and it's called the wilderness, and this is where shepherds go. And in the midst of this wilderness, deep in there, they'll take their flocks, to this day, this is a Bedouin that's wandering through this area with his donkey, with his sheep, with his goats, and in that area, there's a particular section of it every once in a while that they would refer to as the shadow of death. Not exactly an exact location, but places like this because when you went into these valleys and you brought your flock in there or you brought your friends in there, at any moment on those mountainsides could be a lion. And if you're you're in a valley like that with a lion on the hill, it is over. Why would I say all that? I say all that to say this. What's amazing about the story of Jesus is that the shepherds are from this area that that the announcement of Jesus' birth comes from and the angel shows up and the verse says like this, that the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of God shined or shone around them and they were filled with great fear and the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Let me tell you something, the birth of Jesus and Christmas is good news. You might find yourself in a deep valley, in a difficult place, in a dark hour, but God is there with you. And Psalmist wrote it like this, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff will comfort me. 
You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. You know why this Savior was born? This Savior was born so that he could save us. And it says it that way in Matthew 1.21 that he'll be born, his name will be called Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. My goodness, where would I be without Jesus? He wants to save me. He wants to save you from our sin, from ourselves, from our places that we're stuck in, from the things that randomly broadside our life that we didn't see coming, from the things we do, from the things that people do to us. And he wasn't just simply to be born to die, but he was born to live. And he is salvation. And he is brought into this world. And he doesn't just want to be born in a manger in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. He wants to be born in your life. Because Christianity is not a concept. It is not a philosophy. It is a person. Just as his name says, God is salvation. You see, you don't need more church and more religion in your life. You need more Jesus in your life. You don't need more money or more connections in your life. You need more Jesus in your life. What you were looking for all along was not found in what you were reaching for or not being able to grasp. What you were looking for was not a place or a position. It was in a person. And his name is Jesus. And he has come to bring us and continue to bring us salvation. He entered into this world and was born into it. And he wants to be a part of yours. Will you let him be born in your life? Some of you have never asked him to be your God, your savior. He was born for us all to save us from our sins. Will you let him be born in your life? Some of you are here once and had him central to your life, but now that love for him and that commitment to him has grown cold and you've got one foot of crossing your fingers saying, hey, God, bail me out, and another one coming up with your plan and he's saying, hey, I got a lesson for you from a guy named Joseph. I just want to drop a bomb on that plan. Will you just trust me and know that the best plan for your life is the one that I have for you? And when I come up and I show up, I do it in ways with things like babies and simplicity and trust and vulnerability. It's amazing that when the world was falling to pieces and men were conquering it left and right and Rome was doing what it did and Herod was murdering and all these things were happening, God didn't overcome evil with evil. He overcame evil with good. And what God has for you is good. What Jesus has for your life is good. Will you let him renew your love? Will you let him place love, hope, and forgiveness back in your life? Will you let the new life of that child not stay in an idea back in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago? Will you invite him into your life and continue to invite him to be a part of your life? Will you allow Jesus to be salvation? You see, salvation is not an altar call. It's the presence of the God that the altar is made for in an ongoing daily way. And I want to pray right now if we could stand across this room. I'd like to ask for us to just quickly and briefly respect everyone's privacy here. If you would close your eyes. Bow your heads. And as I pray this, I'm going to ask this simple, simple question here. Maybe you're here and you're like, Pastor, I've never asked Jesus to 
to be my Lord. I, I, I respect church and I respect that, but I never have asked Jesus to like really, really give me a plan. I've never heard from God before. I've never known that I can hear from him opening up the Bible. I didn't know that that's how this works, but I really, I really could use him in my life. If that's you, if you'd raise your hand and put it down real quick, say, pray for me, pastor, pray for me. Thank you. I see hands all over this room. Thank you. Thank you. How about you're here, keeping our heads closed and our eyes closed and our head bowed. You're here today and you're saying, pastor, I'm that person. I grew up in church. I was on fire for God. That fire is cold and I miss him. I miss him so much. I miss that love I had for him. I I miss that love that I sensed from him. I really need that in my life. Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. If that's you, raise your hand and put it down quickly. Thank you. Hands all over this room. You see, all of this really demonstrates one thing. We all need Jesus, but we all continue to need him. He is the only healthy codependent relationship in the universe. The only one. And I want to pray for you here this morning. And if you have those hopes that we talked about, I want you to pray it with me. Dear Jesus, be born in my life. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make yourself known to me. Speak to me. Open up your word to me. Change my life. I'll take the journey. I'll pay the cost. I'll do your will and not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I believe with all my heart that you stand before God forgiven and right with him, no matter how much or little you understand. If you are somebody that was close to Jesus and you were far away from him, I don't care what happened in your life five minutes before you walked in this building, you are forgiven, you are free, and he is your salvation. And he loves you. He's amazing. You don't have to do this, but if you'd fill this out and you'd check off something that God did for you, we would be grateful. We have all kinds of great things in store for you. And so what we're going to do is just explain this to you in a minute. I'm going to explain it to you, but then we're going to sing one last song as just a tribute to him. He's the reason for the season. What a beautiful name it is. You will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. When we end here, we're going to invite you. You don't have to do it this way, but we're going to invite you to make your way out this door and up the staircase. We have two petting zoos, one on the stairwell and one in the far back. Once the line moves along, we may even open a third one here with these little critters, but they're cute ones. We even have a fourth one outside. There's pre-steak or cow, and there's a llama, there's a donkey. The donkey's ornery, don't don't pet him, he bites, but the other two are pretty cute. The cow's pretty amenable, poor guy, has no idea what's coming. Um, But, but we encourage you, we've also set up a photo booth upstairs. How cute. You can totally get your picture taken with um, Eeyore, with a chicken, with a dinosaur. We have kids in suits there. But we also have a baby pig. We've got animals that you can have and have your picture taken with. And we will email those to you. But we just want to say this to you from the bottom of our hearts. Merry Christmas. Thank you for making Lola Assembly of God your home. We love you. 
And I know you just got here and I know I mentioned it, but join us for a 30-minute service tomorrow night, 6 o'clock sharp. If you get here and in your seat by 5 of, by 6.30, we will be done and out of here. You won't even recognize this sanctuary. It is going to be classy, enchanted, dress your best. Put those little dresses on those cutie girls again. Put those suits on those young men or show up in jeans. We welcome you anyway. Thank you for making us a part of your life. God bless you. And let's sing this song. And when we're done, we'll wave you on. What a beautiful name it is.